Hi, this is Angela. Welcome to Shakti Stories. Hey everyone, welcome to Shakti Stories. I'm super excited about the episode today because I've got my best childhood friend today with me, Jill Lawrence. So Jill is a female leader in business who is passionate about making the world a better place. She loves leading purpose-driven female entrepreneurs to create their impact by understanding social marketing and what role feminine energy plays in the new advertising space. Spending most of her life living in what she calls default mode, this mother of two is no stranger to anxiety, depression, and lack of self-expression. After a cancer scare in early 2019, Jillian discovered her purpose and has been driven to empower other women to take control of their life and live in what she calls dream mode, choosing to consciously live life by dreaming the future and taking inspired action to create it. So thanks for joining us, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. (laughs) I know. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) I feel like we probably should have set a timer because we can gab for hours. (laughs) Right. I know. I know. Well, I've got my phone here, so I'll I'll put the time every now and then. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, welcome to my trailer. I'm currently in my driveway. This is the only place I can go to get away from my kids. So... Well, it looks like a very nice trailer. Thank you. It's more fun when we're camping in it than when I'm working in it. But you know, this is the office for the time being. (laughs) It's funny because as soon as you say camping, I have this memory of us about 10 years ago camping in Cowichan. And you know, we all had our little sleeping bags and our little tents. And then Jill comes up and she's got a full on bed. (laughs) It's like, it's like, what? Yeah, I remember that you were a bit more of a glamper than a camper. Yes, 100% glamper. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm super excited to dive into this. And the first question that's coming to mind for me is to you, what is the difference between default mode and dream mode? What does that mean? And what does that mean in your life? Yes, that is an awesome question. So for me, I'll start with default mode because that's where I spent the majority of my life. And default mode is more just this, you know, these are the cards I've been dealt. So this is the life I'm living. You're not really consciously choosing to do anything. You get up and you go to work because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, we got married, we had kids, we bought a house, like we did all the things that it felt like we were supposed to do. And um, it's by no means that I regret any of it. We have an amazing life, but we didn't consciously plan any of it. It felt like it more just, these are the things that, that showed up. And so we just, we just live life as I get up, I go to work, I come home, I make dinner, play with the kids, go to bed, do it all over again. And um, there's no, there's no real conscious decision-making in it. I mean, there's big ones like, do we want to buy a house? Let's sit down and look at our finances. But there's not little ones like, you know, how is my body feeling right now? Like, what do I really want to do with my time right now? Mm. And when you're living in dream mode, you're really more conscious of your own body, your own mind, what exactly is happening um, in that running reel that is the subconscious that's constantly talking to us. Yeah. And um, when you're in default mode, that subconscious is in control. Mm. And a lot of the time I see it as ego being in control and not that ego is negative by any means, but that um, the ego is, is constantly wanting to protect you from things and almost has this filing system of all the things it's had to protect you from before and, you know, hurtful words that have happened. And so when you're in default mode, you're, you're letting that be in charge and you're maybe not taking as many risks or deciding to do as many new things because there's this filing system that's saying like, Ooh, you tried a new thing, you know, when you were 15 and this is how you got 
got hurt. So I'm just going to protect you by saying, don't try that new thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in dream mode, life is just like, so there's so much more expression and freedom and enjoyment and passion. And it just feels like instead of waking up and being like, okay, well, I guess I'll see what this day holds. You sit there and you think like, what do I want this day to hold? Mm. There's an intention for this. And and what do I want it to be? Because it's my life and my time and I get to create what that is. It's just like, I call it dream mode, not because you're like, you know, fa-la-la, just, you know, dreaming life, like living in fantasy land. It's because you're consciously daydreaming. Like, what do I want in my life? What direction do I want my business to go in? And, And then taking inspired action to get there. Yeah. Well, I love it because as you've been speaking, I've been thinking about this sign that you made me for my wedding and Prasad at our wedding saying, welcome to our waking dream. Mm, yeah. Room now. <laughs> so yes. I, think I asked for those words, but it also just, yeah, it, it just shows me how, you know, yeah, just like where we're on the same wavelength here. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And it does feel like it is like a waking dream. And instead of, of feeling like um, I'm not in control and I just have to you know, deal with whatever life throws at me, like the cancer scare, for example. Yeah. Um, I think that that was the beginning of a really huge realization of dream mode. Mm. And I had been, you know, kind of more consciously aware of what was happening in my life and realizing like, I've actually placed a lot of things in my life subconsciously that I don't want here necessarily. Right. And when the ego is in control, it's so much easier for the subconscious to kind of take over with those things. Mm-hmm. But now I see something come up that you know maybe doesn't feel so good. And I just, I recognize that ego is there and my subconscious is trying to protect me on something, but I'm able to now say like that, that was old me. And thank you so much ego for wanting to protect me, but I'm at a point now where I can let go protection around that. And that enables me to thrive Mm -hmm. in new ways that, that maybe ego was holding me back from. Yes. And I had the the most amazing experience where I realized that much like masculine and feminine energy, we need ego and spirit. Like they they have to work harmoniously because Mm -hmm. there are things I need protection from. And there are those flight or fight moments that I need my ego to be there for me. So I don't want to be angry at it and say like, stop, like I'm in a new place. I want to have self-confidence now. So just allow me to freaking have the self-confidence. Yeah. It's it's more of like a, oh, whoa, I didn't know that my subconscious was jumping in to protect me and in doing so was hindering my self-confidence. Yes. I think that's such an important point is, is this pattern of behavior serving me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love your point because ego is really that which we interface with the world from. It's that place that we actually, yeah, we, we need to create an identity and structure ourselves in a certain way in order to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And mm-hmm. in order to just process our everyday, you know, there's so many layers of reality to process. We have to have places, like we have to have categories to put things in. But, you know, I love the term actually sacred ego that Jalaja uses because, mm. yeah, I think she's speaking to that of how okay, so this is, I actually have to be kind to this part of myself and this tendency so that I can actually see that it's limited. Mm-hmm. And that's not who you really are. Yeah. And that's so fascinating to me because living in default mode 
is you just think that all of this is who you are. Like all of it, like I, I'm really bad at math and I have low self-esteem and like that all just becomes who you are. Yeah. And, and like for me, (laughs) I've been telling myself for 35 years that I'm bad at math. Yeah. I wasn't born thinking I was bad at math. I picked that up somewhere along the way. I decided to cling to it and create a story around it that became who I am. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I made it all the way to 35 years with this story. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, like I'm actually not bad at math. Somewhere along the way, I picked that up and maybe got a couple of math questions wrong after that and was like, oh, I am, I'm really bad at math. Yeah. And, and realizing that like when you're living in your higher self, you're not bad at anything, like yeah. nothing. And as long as you put inspired action towards what it is that you want to accomplish, you can achieve absolutely anything. And it's not until you, you realize that there's more than default mode. Like I had no idea that a life like this could exist for me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I would go on forever being like kind of happy sometimes really happy a lot of the time like ugh, depressed or anxious about things i spent a good probably 18 years on and off anxiety and depression medication yeah. and i felt like that was just what my life was mm. and i realized that when i i took myself off of the medication which i do not recommend <laughs> anyone doing <laughs> but i took myself off of it and realized that in losing the low lows, um, which is what I was after by taking the medication, I actually lost the high highs as well. And that they, they can often come together. And if you have the right tools to be able to embrace the low lows, then you can really celebrate the high highs and not like mask them with mm, anything. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're giving us this really raw personal story because that's because I think so many people are going through these things and it sounds like you have learned not to overly identify with those states. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that when I'm like that, that's not who I am. And that is me in a survival mechanism or in ego. And it's, it's something that is trying to most likely protect me from something. Um, but again, it's, it's that recognizing that that's not who I am. And maybe I was once that person, but like I often find, I think, uh, for example, the, the depression, like after having my first child, it was like, holy macaroni. Like Mm -hmm. nobody can prepare you for how difficult parenting can be. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how many books you read or who you talk to. Yes, people say it's hard. They say it's exhausting. But when you're going in with what I would consider like a a pre-existing mental health illness, it's so overwhelming Mm -hmm. and can be very debilitating that that's just who you identify yourself with. And for me perfectionism was a way of masking all of that. Yeah. My house is always clean. I bake with my children. We do tons of crafts. Mm-hmm. Pinterest, heck yeah, I'm there. We'll make that. Like, yeah. it, it's, I, 
I would have friends say to me, like, how do you make life look so perfect? Like I even recently had a girlfriend. We didn't, we weren't talking for like a bunch of the summer just because we were so busy. And um, she said to me, like, how was your summer last year? And I was like, oh my goodness, it was so chaotic. Like there was all of these crazy things happening. I don't know how I made it through it. And she said, it's almost like when life gets like that for you, things get more perfect. Like it looks like you're perfect on the Mm, outside. Yeah. And I had this massive realization that for me, I associate perfectionism with being loved and being Mm. valued. And I think back to my childhood and how like the, the media that we consume, the movies we watch, like everything makes life look perfect. It makes marriage look perfect. It makes parenting look perfect. (laughs) Women look perfect. Yeah. And yeah, and it's like, sorry, it seemed, go ahead. I'm just, yeah. no, <laughs> no, this is, no, I was going to just like second that and say that, yeah, I've really noticed that there, there's these trends too. It's kind of like there's at least like maybe it's the timing of, of people's life events, but for a while there seemed to be this real trend on my Instagram and everything about everyone's marriages. And then now there's this real trend about babies and it's like, you know, yeah, the babies look super cute. But it, it's kind of like people are like, I got my body back after giving birth and all this stuff. And I notice I'm like, huh, okay, what really is that message? Like, where is that coming from? Because mm-hmm. sometimes it really is that the person's genuinely feeling empowered when they had that like doubt in themselves or, yeah, or just like overcoming insecurity. And I, I really understand that. But other times it seems to be, as you've been saying, yeah, that, that it can be kind of compensating. And yeah, sometimes it's it's saying that, actually this person needs help and they may not even know that they can ask for support. And like, it's, it's interesting talking about like body image, especially after having a baby, because like you hear these, I was back into my jeans after five days. And I was like, okay, I gained 40 pounds. I delivered a six pound baby and a placenta. (laughs) Where that's like, I don't know, maybe six, I don't know how much a placenta weighs, say half a pound. So that's a lot of other pounds that don't come off with childbirth. Like, and then there's the shame of like, well, like it seems like people can just jump back into their jeans. Yeah. And I also made it to about seven months with my first until I had a stretch mark. Mm -hmm. And I woke up one day and my entire stomach from like hip to hip was covered in stretch marks. And it was like it happened overnight. And that took a very, very large portion of my self-confidence with it. And it came to the point where like my son's 11 now and I won't wear a bikini and like maybe I'll get to a point because of all the work I'm doing on my self-confidence right now. But it's just, it's really difficult when you especially see like celebrities who have babies and then they're like in a bikini on the beach like a month later and you feel inadequate. Like, yeah, you know, like it doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter what, what clothes you wear. We joke about living in like yoga pants now, but like, <laughs> you know, it does not matter what size you are. You can have self-confidence yeah. issues. And when yeah. something drastically happens to the way you look, it is like, it can be very scarring. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think what you're speaking to right now, um, so many women will relate to. I think that's, this is what I love about Shakti stories is my intention is not to, you know, hover over this, this kind of like self-development in a way that people feel that they're, you know, so far from their idealized Mm. self, but instead to actually like, let's just speak some truth. Let's just like lay it out there, Mm -hmm. you know, so people can actually feel, um, inspired from, from a genuine place. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And like, it has not been 
a huge portion of time that I've been living in dream mode. Like mm. the work started before the cancer scare, yeah. but in a less conscious way. Like I was like, okay, this is very interesting. Like I like being in control. I like exploring and learning about myself and, and you know, all those different aspects, but I was still living in a very high stress of like, we're really busy. People would say, how are you? And I would say, I'm busy with like, it was a badge of honor. I'm really right. busy. Yeah. This is growing. The kids are really busy. And like, and it was like one activity to the next all day long. And there was no space. I would like barely be able to make it to bed with having any energy left in my Mm. jar for the day. Yeah. And often it meant that I was not giving anything to myself. Yeah. And so when the cancer scare happened, I realized that for quite some time, there was like this little tapping And it was like 100% my higher self. You can call it God. You can call it the universe. You can call it your intuition, your gut. To me, they're all the same thing. It was a tapping of like, you need to go get a glass of water. You need to like eat something healthier. You need to have a nap. Like, Mm -hmm. and not need to in the like, this is what you should be doing. Yeah. But like when you, I believe when you are taking care of yourself and putting yourself first, you are living your best life because Mm -hmm. every I won't say every, that's not right because I'm not like fully consciously doing it every moment of the day. But when I am, I'm consciously asking myself, what do I need right now? Mm. And so this tapping of like, you should drink more water or go get a glass of water, I would ignore. I just have to finish this last email and then I'll go get a glass of water. Mm. And then it would be like five hours later and I realized I hadn't drank water for the day. And that perpetuated and perpetuated and perpetuated until I was on a hike with a girlfriend and I got this random thought that to me was the beginning of me noticing all the messages and the beauty that the divine is trying to show us and trying to tell us. And it was a total out of the blue. Her and I are having a conversation, nothing to do with this. And um, I hear this clear, when is your next pap due? And I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't even know when I had my last one. I'll have to look into that. And then we just continue talking about what we were talking about. We get to the end of the hike. I go back to my vehicle and there's a missed call from the doctor and they've left me a, a voicemail that says, you're due for your next pap. Oh, wow. Yes. And so this is me like, huh, this is interesting. Yeah. And and eventually led me to uh, looking for synchronicities and realizing that the synchronicities are are the messages of of self-care and of like, what is best for you? And had I ignored that and been like, I'll get to it when I get to it, I could be in a very different place today. Yeah. But I decided to call the doctor that day. I made the appointment. I had the pap. It came back inconclusive and, you know, it's, it's a, a long story, but basically I had pre-cancer cells and there, there's, I, I never really understood when people say they caught it early. And I was like, what do you mean you caught it early? Like what, what, what is that? Uh, but there's actually stages of pre-cancer as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it depends on how many layers of tissue the cells are through. And they were through all three layers of my cervix. And um, I needed to have a procedure to have part of it cut out. Mm. And I just had this nagging feeling, I need a hysterectomy. I keep saying I need, that's not the right word, but like, mm. I need a hysterectomy. And I'm like, ooh, like that's, that's a big deal. They can just yeah. cut out part of the cervix yeah. and, and that'll be fine. And there was just this feeling, I need a hysterectomy. And I looked myself in the mirror and I said, okay, what is it? Do I need a hysterectomy? And there is something 
about staring yourself straight in the eyes and asking yourself a question like that. Mm -hmm. And it was without a doubt, yes, an astounding Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I've had experiences in the past that I followed these inklings and something amazing has happened. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow it. Mm-hmm. And I went to go book the the appointment and friends had said, you know, they had been in a similar situation and their doctor had said, you don't need it. And mine was like, okay, here's, you know, it could be more risk getting the surgery than um, taking the chance of the cells, you know, being in different places. But if this is your body and if you want to do it, I was like, okay, that was easier than I thought. Mm. And it was this crazy experience of trying to stay present in its pre-cancer. I don't need to have chemo. I don't need to have, you know, go through the craziness of having cancer and being grateful for that, but being so scared of the unknown. Mm. And like, what if it is in other places? And if it is, or if I don't have the hysterectomy, I'm going to worry until the end of time. And worry to me is its own virus. Worry is like stress, anxiety, depression, like that stuff wreaks havoc on our bodies. And I was going to say long story short, but it's already a long story. So (laughs) (laughs) the end is I had the hysterectomy and um, they found more cells. They thought they had got them all in that procedure of cutting out part of the cervix. Um, I went on the wait list. I had the hysterectomy. And when they got the results from the hysterectomy, they said there was actually more cells further that we hadn't seen. Mm. And I was like, oh my word. Like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, I get tingles just like. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like it confirmed that you'd made the right choice. Mm -hmm. And it was all in being in tune with myself, asking myself, listening, watching for the answer. And like leading up to that, there was a point where I questioned one time. I was like, really? Like this seems extreme right before the surgery. This seems extreme. Is this what I really need to do? And why am I questioning it when for months I've, I've been agreeing that this is good? Mm. Um, and then I lost my brother to cancer in a very short, very short, like days window. Wow. And I was like, whoa, like this is, this is really serious. Like my intuition is telling me something. Yeah sorry. (laughs) No, don't be sorry. Take your time. And I think that so often we live in default mode and we get these, we get these messages that we ignore. And it's like, I just want to shout from the rooftops, like, don't ignore it. Like, listen to your body. (sighs) Yeah. Listen to the wisdom that your own body has Mm -hmm. and make space for yourself. Like, we just we live in such a masculine world and there's so much energy that says go harder work harder drive harder and there's a place for that i mean when i'm in masculine energy and i'm productive i'm like i can conquer anything this is amazing but i can't stay in that energy because it's exhausting and as powerful it is as it is it also doesn't necessarily leave room to breathe and to ask yourself, what do I need right now? What does my body need? Like, what does my mind need? What does my soul need? And I am so passionate about expressing this to other women to say, like, we've been taught, we've, we've been taught to live in this more masculine world. And 
it's okay to embrace femininity. And like, even with our moms, like your mom was always a lot more embracing of feminine energy and you know, that than my mom was, and they were just doing their best much as we are. Like there's nothing to, to blame on them for the way that they raised us. But in our generation, we weren't taught to see yourself as beautiful and express Mm -hmm. your femininity. We were taught that like, you can be pretty, but if you are sensual or sexual in any way, you're just opening the doors for predators. Um, You know, awful things like you're a slut or you'll, you'll maybe climb the corporate ladder, but because like, what did you do to get there? You Mm -hmm. know, like, or you embraced massive masculine energy and you were the type of woman who was like, you know, do you know how hard I've worked to get here and you're going to do as I say? And like, I don't resonate with either of those. I resonate with this, this balance of powerful masculine energy and powerful feminine energy that coexist together. And (laughs) right. You're the perfect guest. (laughs) Shakti stories. (laughs) This, this balance that exists is different for everyone. And like, I think that's why when I look at a woman who has had a baby, who's into her genes five days later, great. That is awesome for her. If I can celebrate her and be like, you go girl, like I'll get there if yeah. I'm not there already. And that's how I am with my confidence. Like I notice where my ego creeps in. And there was this interesting moment I shared with my daughter where she got a new bathing suit and she tried it on and she was looking in the mirror and she goes, this fits me perfect. I look so beautiful in this. If I were fatter, it wouldn't fit me properly. And if I were really skinny, it wouldn't fit me properly. I just love this. Like I look so perfect. And I had this like, moment of like almost discomfort where I'm like, oh no, is she going to be really conceited? Like, does she have overconfidence? And I wonder if in our childhood, like that we, like we were all born with confidence. Where did it go? Yeah. And like, I wonder if that was part of our, our childhood that you, you, you didn't want to be the person who thought you were beautiful and mm. thought you were going to make it. And you were amazing at everything you did. Yeah. Um, and if you were like that, then there were people who would put you in your place. Yeah. And I just like, I sat there and I just listened to my daughter and I thought, I want her to have all the confidence in the world. Like, I want her to go out in the world thinking she's beautiful because there's going to be enough people who have something to say about the way she looks or the way she acts that she is the one who needs to see her own beauty. And that is the only thing that matters is that mm. we see our own beauty. And if we can't, see that in ourself, then how can we expect other people to see it? So true. That was a mm-hmm. rant. Sorry. That's, no, I'm <laughs> loving it. I'm like, I love how you're weaving in um, these personal examples where you're able to just slow things down and go, oh, I notice I want to respond this way, but actually like, wait a second, is this so bad that she's saying that she looks good? Like, mm-hmm. wait a second, you know? And And it's like, yeah, I think it's it is really interesting what you were talking about with the different energies because in a way i think it's like each every single woman is going to have a different experience of what the masculine and feminine have been for them and this is always changing you know we're always evolving this um these definitions as we evolve mm-hmm. and i just love how you're really speaking so directly to your own embracing of that and how yeah you might have had early ideas that that you weren't, that being like confident was conceited. And 
you know, it's, and I think there's so many reasons for that, but I just love how you're actually allowing your daughter, in a way you're doing this deep work by allowing your daughter to have a different experience. Mm, yes, absolutely. And I believe that our children basically learn through osmosis. I was talking to a pregnant friend yesterday and I didn't know this, but she was talking about how children, like when you're, when you're pregnant, how they get the nutrients. And she was joking. Well, she wasn't really joking. She wondered if it was because like your blood goes into them and gives them the nutrients. And so her and her husband looked it up because he was like, well, the baby has its own blood. Your blood is not like a transfusion. And so in, this is how she explained it in the placenta, there's basically the mom's blood and the baby's blood. And they, they stay in their own pockets, but they intertwine so that like the, the nutrients from the mom's blood goes through a membrane into the baby's blood, wow. but the blood never touches. And that's how I see our children learn from us mm. in the real world. They're watching. It's, it's like osmosis. They're watching what we're doing. They're picking up on our mannerisms. And when she does things like I go to take a picture and she's smiling and then she'll close her mouth. I mean, she's eight years old. And I said to her, why, why did you close your mouth? Oh, I don't like my smile with my teeth, she said. Aww. Yeah, and she still has all her baby teeth, so her teeth are really small and they're all spaced apart. Like I've never said anything to her about it, but somewhere along the lines, she's picked up that she doesn't feel confident smiling. And I was like, where would that come from? And there's many different places, but one of them is me. Mm-hmm. And like, I noticed that if my husband just pulls out the camera to take a photo, there's a chance he's going to post that. And like, what if I'm like, I have half an eye <laughs> closed or like a smear of makeup or like, mm-hmm. like it's going on the internet. So, and that's how I think many people are treating any photo that's taken is going on the internet. So it has to be perfect. Yeah. And one, that's ridiculous. And two, it makes me be in check with my own confidence because I don't want her picking up on me being like, oh, these stretch marks. And like, to me, it's isolated to stretch marks, but to her, it could be anything. It could be she now decides when she's an adult that she doesn't want to have a baby because, you know, it's going to, it's going to alter her physical appearance afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how that ripple is going to to be a wave when she grows up. And I would far rather foster her confidence knowing that like that will be something that grows and builds and supports her and and knowing that like I said before there's so many different ways that our confidence is knocked by other people that I would rather give her the foundation to to have that confidence and be in tune with her own body so that she knows exactly what she needs and that she's beautiful no matter what yes love it and One more area is coming up in my mind that we talked about before and that comes up on Shakti Stories because when we are speaking about embracing our bodies and being in our bodies, it's very natural that we talk about embracing our sexuality or our sensuality. And so I'm just curious if you have anything that you feel like sharing on this topic of sensual awakening, you know, as we get more into our bodies and we become aware of our body's needs, how for you, how has it been to really, uh, you know, even hold the different parts of you, mother, you know, as well as sexual woman, as well as, you know, businesswoman, everything. How, how is that for you? Oh man. (laughs) How much time do we have? (laughs) I know. I'm like, it's a big topic. (laughs) I want to start off by going back to our childhood again, because when we were kids, 
like we weren't taught about sensuality. I remember sex ed in grade seven, we learned that boys masturbate. We didn't learn about women touching themselves. We did not learn. In fact, it wasn't until I watched um, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop episode Mm. on sensuality. Oh man, I was like, yes, we don't even call our private parts the right names is what Mm. I learned because we're, we're not necessarily taught about sexuality as sensuality. We're taught sex ed. We're taught like the, the physical components of these are the pieces. This is how a baby is made. It's very scientific. Yeah. And there's nothing around it. That yeah. And it's, it's preventative pleasure. too. It's like, here's how mm. not to get, you know, I think it was grade seven when we had a class on like, yeah. I think AIDS and, you know, it, yeah, I think I, I remember learning about that, about like STIs mm-hmm. at that time they were called mm-hmm. and it was it's like, fear-based. yeah, it was like much more about pre- prevention than anything to do with pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted at that age, it's not like, like you don't want to encourage that. It's like <laughs> the most pleasurable experience you want. But I think that seeds need to be planted at yeah. that age for them to know how on earth as a woman can you expect a man to be able to give you the utmost of pleasure when you can't do it yourself or you don't know your body well enough. And so I clearly remember sitting with my mom learning about how babies are made when I was in grade five because she was pregnant um, with my brother. Yeah. And so we were we were reading this book and my stepdad walked in and uh, right when we were in the middle of it and she said I gave him this look of you did that to my mom. (laughs) I remember this. (laughs) Yes. And that is like, that is it. It wasn't like, it's this, this intimate experience that you can have with yourself. It was, you, you get a partner, you have sex, you make a baby. And even if we did talk about being in an intimate experience between a man and a woman, there was never anything about pleasing yourself as a woman. Yeah. And it's so mind boggling to me because I feel like it's so much responsibility to put it in your partner's hands, whether your partner is another woman or a man to put all of your pleasure in their hands. And like after having my first, I went through this, this trauma of childbirth that I thought was going to be a sensual, amazing experience. Mm. And when my mom had my brother, I was 11. So I remember the experience and I remember her saying, um, you know, your stepdad, said to me afterwards, um, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe that experience. I feel so connected to you. And Mm -hmm. I have so much more respect for your body and what a woman goes through in childbirth. And I was like, wow, like, that sounds incredible. And then I went through the experience myself and it was traumatic. It was that everything I felt was either, it felt gross, it felt painful, it felt shameful. And sex after childbirth, like, it was basically non-existent. It was painful. I was so present to the tightness and anxiety I was experiencing. There was zero pleasure, zero pleasure. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because after the hysterectomy, I'm finding very similar anxieties and feeling like I have to be so present in my body to relax every muscle just to have sex. Yeah. And, um, that it's I'm back in that phase of it's not pleasurable um, and sensual to have sex with my husband, yeah. which is like it's awful. And at first, I found I was placing that blame on him, and like 
like, why can't he understand that this is what I'm going through? But like, he has no clue what's happening in my body. This is my body. Yeah. And so I was super open and honest with him. And I just said, like, this is what I'm experiencing. And, And he's been so patient. And I called my doctor and I was like, this is what's happening. I want to see someone who specializes in sex therapy because I know what it does feel like when it feels amazing. And this is so far from that. And I don't know what to do. And like, I think that that to me, that's healthy. It's healthy to, to talk about it and to like, I have, I was going to say I have a close group of friends that I'll talk about it with, but (laughs) and the rest of the world, you know, the rest of the world, why not? (laughs) Oh man. But again, it's that, it's that feminine energy. The masculine energy is, is, it sounds, I don't mean it to sound negative, but it's that like, push it down. You don't have to deal with it. Like just push through it and, you know, like it'll be fine. And to me being so in tune with the feminine energy is no, no, I, I would like to work through it. I would like to experience it. I would like to understand it and I would like to release it. And I know I can get there because I've, First of all, I've done it before. I've gotten there again after childbirth. And because this is mass amounts of vulnerability, (laughs) I'm able to fully please myself right now. Like I can, I can fully 100% please myself, but sex is (laughs) difficult and painful. And I feel blessed that I have a very patient partner. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're bringing up so much there. It's like, I think this is just such a, yeah, this, as you said, is a vulnerable topic. So I really like, yeah, I really respect that and and really admire your sharing because I think so many women can relate to this happening to them at some point, this struggle. And, and often, you know, like sex therapy can be driven a bit in a way that's like looking for an outcome and it's like, okay, you know, they can feel even more pressure for some people. And so it's kind of like just a huge relief to just speak that truth. And I think for people to hear that truth where the message is like, hey, just listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Your body has its own wisdom. It's so incredible. And like, uh, I just, I feel like I try and live with no, no regrets because I really try and trust in the timing. Like, yeah. I believe God, the universe, you know, like, the divine, whatever we want to call it, the timing of everything is perfect. And I was meant to live all of that time in default mode so that I could be in dream mode now and be in this new headspace to be able to appreciate life so much more. Mm. But it's hard to not look back and be like, man, (laughs) I would have like, I didn't know about self-pleasure. It wasn't until I was in my mid twenties that I figured out anything to do with my own body down there. Like it was just like, we didn't talk about it. I didn't learn about it. It wasn't like YouTube was around when we were like, yeah, there is actually, there's, there's, um, like just tutorial kind of videos on YouTube, but like, yeah. it's just and there's, Oh my God. Yes. Now, which is a, a great website for, Oh, cool. To, yeah. It, it, it has women like, um, portraying what sharing, what, um, works for them. And, and it, it's quite cool, but yeah, I love that. You're actually just saying that, you know, it's, it's changing. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely changing. Yeah. And I think like the biggest piece of, of what I want to share is that one there has to be a balance of feminine and masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And that balance looks different for everyone. Mm 
And that's why it's important for you to be in tune with your own body. Ask yourself, like, you can't answer the questions for me about my body and neither can my husband. It's up to me to learn it and know it and communicate it so that I can experience the, the full joy and pleasure of it. Yeah, uh, and of just life in general of all yeah. of the yeah yeah I think that the pleasure that we experience in life you know if we do you know s- describe that as like sensual you know feeling um, you know seeing really seeing the cherry blossom and really spending a moment to feel the sun on your skin mm-hmm. I think that is so it, it often correlates so strongly with how open you can be in in your sexuality as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're not a hundred percent correlated, but there's definitely some some overlap there. Sometimes the bedroom can be like a microcosm for the rest of oh, life. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I find that with business, like the mm. the business reflects my personal life. Yes, and when there are things that are going on in my personal life that I'm stuck with, they show up in my business. And yeah. like, that's another point of keeping yourself in balance. And like, even for me this week, I worked way too hard. And my husband said, like, how do you feel? And I said, I'm out of balance. And he said, how do you know? And I said, I'm more irritable. I'm snappy. I'm tired. I'm not eating as well. I'm not drinking enough water. And I can notice all of these tiny things that, that are such an easy fix. And they're all just little tiny habits that create those really big waves. But when I'm out of balance in a situation of this week, I had way too much masculine energy. And again, it's not that it's bad and it's not that it's male or female because like speaking to the other side, when men show more feminine energy, it's often seen as a weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so unfair because that like it, it's a balance. The yeah. men, men have to have feminine energy as well. And when you see men who have a very, very strong, and women who have a very strong masculine energy dominance, it's a lot more about power. Yeah. And that, that can be a really good thing. Like there's, there's so much empowerment that comes with power, yeah. but when it's used out of balance, then it becomes more of power for personal gain than empowerment to be as awesome as I can be to, to give to, you know, the world, to others, to, you know, shine yes. my light. Yes. And when I'm in that. balance, my light is shining the brightest. Yeah. And I have, I work with a coach on a regular basis and she gave me this well-being tracker. And so I wrote all the little things from journaling to a walk in the forest to like, I believe there's all different kinds of ways our higher self sends us messages and it's up to us to spot them um, to kind of put them into that synchronicity. And to me, colors is one of them. And so when I see a color showing up more in my life, um, then I know that it's a message. So on Mm. my well-being tracker, I have the color yellow because that's a color for me right now. Mm. And I can go through the week and check off all of these things that I've done on this well-being tracker to remind myself when I'm in balance, I'm doing all of these things. And when I'm doing all of these things, my life feels so much better. Mm. And it's just all about putting me first and being present to what I need physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, everything. It's It's all one thing. Yeah. It sounds like it's being honest with yourself, being really mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to have it. a massive vulnerability <laughs> hangover tomorrow. 
<laughs> well, then maybe I'll let you, you know, I'll, I'll, we can wrap it up there because as you said, we could talk and talk and talk. Mm. So, you know, I, I'm just thinking like, you know, I think today we've, we've really touched on so many beautiful points mm. and yeah, I, again, thank you so much for everything you've shared. Cause I had so much fun and, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yes. I this loved it. Really, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I just like, I just hope that it resonates with somebody. Like even yeah. if it's one person is like, yeah, you know, like you just never know who, who is going to hear the message and how it's going to resonate with them. So I just am so grateful for the opportunity to share. Yes, I know it will. It will resonate. It will touch people. And yeah, I'm really glad that you came on. And, you know, I, I'm sure that we'll, I'm planning to continue on with Shakti stories for who knows how long. So I, I'm sure there'll be opportunity to have you on again. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Okay. I want to point out before we go that we're celebrating 30 years of friendship this year. Oh, wow. 30 years. 30 oh, years. Wow. Can you believe it? That is wild. Okay. Yeah. That's Wow. We've got yeah. to do something for that. I know, right? It's very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Do some, you know, like meditation and dance and yes, <laughs> our wild, our wild ways these days. Yes. <laughs> Might be a little different than our 18 year old self. <laughs> yes. Oh, Thank well, you. Yeah. Thanks again, Jill. Love you lots. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us at Shakti Stories where we are empowering feminine bliss.